Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Weekend Long Read What Li Yining Taught China About Economic Reform Published in Caixin Global on March 11th, 2023. Written by Yu Hairong. Read to you by Cliff Larson. One of China's most renowned economists and reformers, Li Yining, died at the age of 92 in Beijing on February 27, 2023. Li became world-renowned for his achievements in Chinese economic reform and academia. The famous economist also served as senior professor of philosophy and social sciences at Peking University and founding dean of the university's Guanghua School of Management. His works laid the theoretic foundation of domestic economic reform, shaping some of China's most vibrant times in opening up as China moved from a command to a market economy. Li is celebrated for his establishment of the non-equilibrium economic theory. In Chinese, that's Fei Junheng Jingji Li Lun which proposed the framework for China's state-owned enterprise, SOE, stock reform. He was a representative figure advocating ownership reform in the early stages of China's opening up in the late 1970s, earning him the nickname Stocks Li, or Stockholding Li. His views on economic reform strategies, corporate reform, rural industrialization, and the theory of third distribution still influence China's economy today. But Li's significance is not limited to just theory. Starting in 1988, Li successively served three terms as a member of the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress, NPC, and three terms as a member of the Standing Committee of the National Committee of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Congress, CPPCC. During this period, he presided over the drafting of China's security laws and the Securities Investment Fund Law, promoting SOE, shareholding reform, and pushed for the promulgation of the 36 Measures for the Non-Public Ownership Economy, which is seen as a major boost and protection of the fledgling private sector. Participating in reform and promoting China's modern transformation is the mission of our generation, Li once said, and that's exactly what he did. A teaching assistant at 47. Born in 1930 to a poor family in Nanjing, East China's Jiangsu province, Li moved to Shanghai with his parents when he was only four years old. As his family succeeded in one of China's most developed cities, Li was able to attend several prestigious schools. In 1949, he was admitted to the Department of Chemical Engineering at Jingling University in Nanjing, 
However, the university shut down temporarily that year after the liberation of the city by the Communist Party of China. Li then went to Hunan province and worked as an accountant. In 1951, the early days of the People's Republic of China, the country's education system underwent a significant transformation. That year, Li was admitted to the Department of Economics at the prestigious Peking University, marking the beginning of a bond that would last over 70 years. After graduating in 1955, Li remained at PKU working in the Economic Information Center. It was another time of learning for me after graduation from college, and my horizons expanded, Li said. He spent his time scouring the pages of Western economic works and international economics journals. In the late 1950s and early 60s, he translated over two million words of works of Western economic history for internal publication. However, these years were tough for Lee. He was prosecuted during the Cultural Revolution. Along with having his personal assets confiscated, he was publicly criticized and humiliated, beaten, detained, investigated politically, and sent to hard labor camps on multiple occasions. It wasn't until after the end of the Cultural Revolution that the 47-year-old Lee would finally step onto the lectern of PKU as a teaching assistant and begin to shine. Reading, Teaching, and Writing Lee taught on topics including Western and comparative economic history, Western economics, and the history of Western economic thought, as well as political economic models such as capitalism and socialism. He even taught a class on Karl Marx's Das Kapital. He believed economic history and the history of economic thought would lay a solid foundation for China's economic research and were a great value in understanding the path of industrialization and socialism, as well as grasping the limitations of Western economics. Li's rise to academic stardom began when he was appointed as an associate professor. In 1983, he was promoted to full professor. He didn't step away from the lectern until he was almost 90 years old. Li once summarized his life experience as reading, teaching, and writing, and referred to himself as, first and foremost, a teacher. At PKU, his courses on Western economics were not only popular among students in the economics department, but also across all majors. Yao Yang, the dean of the National School of Development at PKU, noted that Li had a talent for presenting ideas in a concise and logically clear manner, leaving no room for students' attention to wander. His lectures were straightforward and hit the nail on the head, Yao said. In the early 1990s, Li participated in the founding of PKU's Guanghua School of Management, serving as its first dean from 94 to 2005. During this time, the demand for managerial talent skyrocketed along with China's economic boom. The school quickly became one of the top talent pools for the country, producing a large number of economists, entrepreneurs, and economic officials. Today, many of Li's students are scattered across the political and business sectors as decision-makers and leaders. Through all his success, Li never gave up on the pursuit of knowledge. After publishing his first work in 1978, 
he went on to publish more than 80 books and hundreds of articles. Stockholding Lee Lee was famously known as Stockholding Lee, the nickname reflecting his substantial role in China's ownership reform. In the summer of 1980, Lee proposed the idea of a shareholding system. At this time, tens of millions of educated youth were returning to large cities after being sent to rural areas for re-education in the Sent Down movement, which sought to re-educate youth by having them live amongst their rural compatriots. These sent-down youth inundated the job market, causing employment to become a prominent issue that affected social stability. At the National Labor and Employment Conference, chaired by then-Vice Premier Wan Li, Li suggested that employment issues could be addressed by establishing enterprises in the form of a shareholding system through private capital without any government investment. What seemed normal in today's China was a daring idea in the time of a planned economy. Li's proposal was brushed aside. But he didn't give up. Li continuously advocated for introducing a shareholding system and insisted that ownership reform was the key to China's economic system reform. In 1984, Li delivered a report titled Several Issues in Urban Economics that discussed ownership reform, a topic that covered the formation of the corporate group, the issuance of shares by companies, ownership of company stock by employees, and allowing residents to become investors and entrepreneurs. In 1986, Li, who was then serving as director of the Department of Economics and Management at PKU, spoke at the academic symposium commemorating the May 4th movement. He emphasized in a speech the importance of ownership reform. He argued that the failure of economic reform may have been due to the failure of price reform. But the success of economic reform does not depend on liberating the price mechanism alone, but rather on reforming ownership, specifically enterprise reform. In September of the same year, he published an article titled My Thoughts on the Ownership Reform in China in People's Daily, China's Leading Party Newspaper. He stated in the article that enhancing the vitality of enterprises is the central link in China's economic system reform, and ownership reform is the key. He also discussed in detail the post-reform ownership system in China, proposing that transforming SOEs into joint stock companies could be divided into two stages, incremental asset listing and existing asset listing. Due to his long-term advocacy for the joint stock reforms of SOEs, Li earned the nickname Stockholding Li. However, Li did not consider himself the founder of the joint stock system in China, as he believed that many scholars had contributed to the idea over the years. Instead, he preferred the nickname Non-Equilibrium Li. Non-Equilibrium Li. While Li's self-appointed nickname never became a household term, his most important work was Non-Equilibrium Economics in China, published in 1990. Li distinguishes two types of disequilibrium on the basis of whether or not the majority of firms in the economy are viable profit makers. Li points out that not only has China's economy been in a state of disequilibrium, but it also has issues with enterprises not operating under budget constraints. Thus, 
Li concluded that China's economic reform must start with its current conditions, and enterprise system reform was the key to the success or failure of the entire reform of the economic system. He emphasized the need to place the reform of SOEs first. SOEs that didn't have a clear ownership structure or a clear separation between the government and management when it came to their operation should be transformed into diversified investment entities that can operate with autonomy and are responsible for their own profits and losses through joint stock reform. Professor Lee's core idea is that if enterprises cannot break free from administrative constraints and become true market entities, then other reforms, such as comprehensive price reform, would ultimately fail, Yao said. Yao believes that Lee's theory of non-equilibrium has led to significant contributions to understanding China's economic transition. China's economy of today still has traces of second type of non-equilibrium that Lee defined more than 30 years ago, and his analysis is still applicable today, Yao says. Yin Jun, an assistant to the dean of Xi Jinping thought on socialism with Chinese characteristics for a new era research institute at PKU, and a former student of Li, wrote that his former teacher had focused on four major issues between 1979 and 1998. First, he proposed the basic ideas for China's economic reform, including the two types of non-equilibrium with enterprise reform as the key. Second, he suggested the restructuring of the socialist microeconomic foundation and proposed the idea of a market-oriented shareholding system. Third, he addressed the biggest social issue during the transitional period and advocated for prioritizing employment while also maintaining price stability. Finally, he discussed how to ensure the smooth operation of the socialist market economy. These ideas not only won him numerous awards, but have influenced China's reform process. In 1991, Li co-authored an article, Strategic Choices for Prosperity, which included papers on economic reform strategy, enterprise reform, rural industrialization, and other topics that were reflected in later economic reforms. Li's theories have also been fully reflected in recent official statements regarding common prosperity. On December 18, 2018, the State Council and the Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party awarded Li the title of Reform Pioneer, calling him an active advocate for economic system reform. Li versus Wu during the process of China's transition from a planned to a market economy, a variety of theoretical propositions emerged. Enterprise reform, represented by Li, was one, while holistic reform, represented by Professor Wu Jinlian, a researcher at the Development Research Center at the State Council, was another. In following decades, Wu and like-minded economists proposed and implemented a series of holistic reform programs. Chinese academic and business communities simplified these reform viewpoints into stockholding Li versus market Wu. In fact, both agreed on the goal of establishing a socialist market economic system, but there were differences in the order and emphasis of the strategy to get there. 
who believed that economic system was an organic whole and that reform to establish a market economy must be carried out in several key areas simultaneously. Single breakthroughs and loan forces often failed to achieve success and could even be harmful. In 1985, Wu proposed the three-linkage supporting reform concept, which requires synchronized progress in three aspects of reform, enterprise responsibility for their own management and bottom line, a competitive market system, and a macro system that emphasizes indirect regulation and ensures macroeconomic stability. This proposal established a relatively clear framework for China's market-oriented reform for the last three decades. Wu's holistic reform school brought together scholars who later became Chinese financial and fiscal leaders, such as Luo Jiwei, a former finance minister, Zhou Xiaochuan, a former governor of the People's Bank of China, PBOC, Li Jianke, an ex-deputy chairman of China's Security Regulatory Commission, and Guo Shuqing, the PBOC's party chief. These individuals advocated for the government to implement tax and fiscal reforms and establish a nationwide unified market. The Enterprise Reform School, led by Li, on the other hand, advocated making reform of the enterprise system the top priority. He believed that without an effective ownership structure, there could be no effective property rights relationship on enterprises and consumers, and no rational price mechanism. Therefore, the primary task of reform was to clarify enterprise property rights relationships over a period of about eight years, achieve corporate transformation, gradually transition from contracting system to the shareholding system, and upgrade the operational mechanisms and property rights relationships. These debates belong to the field of economics. Lee said in an interview in 2008 that the important thing was not the conclusion, but the discussion itself. People who pay attention to the debates, regardless of which side they agree with, have gained a clearer and deeper understanding of the classical theories. For the public, the most memorable event between the two highly respected economists was their debate on the Chinese stock market in the early 21st century. In January 2001, after a massive mutual fund scandal, Wu pointed out in a TV interview that China's stock market, which lacked regulations and bottom lines, was like a casino. In the following days, five economists, including Li, all appeared on TV and expressed opposing views. Li stated that the development of China's stock market was a bumpy road. The stock market was not well regulated and illegal activity did exist. He pointed out that it was appropriate to address the problem in the stock market, but it would not be completely negated and cast aside. He emphasized that the development and regulations were complementary to each other. Years later, the two appeared together at PKU's Centennial Lecture to review the last 30 years of reform in China. The host stated that Wu and Li's agreements on reform was far greater than their academic differences. A Real Practitioner in addition to providing intellectual support for economic reform, Li was also a practitioner. 
He summed up his 30 years in politics and policymaking into four parts, participating in legislation, promoting the reform of the shareholding system, poverty alleviation, and promoting the development of the private economy. During this time, as an MPC Standing Committee member, the legislative work gradually shifted from departmental legislation to having experts lead in the drafting of laws. It took from the summer of 1992, when the drafting team led by Lee officially began work, to December 1998 for the NPC to pass the securities law. Lee once summarized the four thorny issues that prolonged the drafting of the legislation. First, whether SOE stocks would be able to be traded on the market. Second, how to standardize market behavior. Third, what kind of management system should be adopted by the securities exchanges. And fourth, whether the regulator should have a registration system for listed companies instead of an approval mechanism. In 1999, Lee also served as the leader of the drafting team for the Securities Investment Fund Law, which took four years to complete. While at the NPC, Lee's focus shifted more towards the private economy, earning him yet another nickname, Private Enterprise Lee. After Lee's death, Liu Yonghao, chairman of New Hope Group and one of China's most famous entrepreneurs, wrote about his interaction with Lee during his time on the CPPCC. Participating in the research of private economy and promoting the introduction of two sets of 36 articles were the most important things he did with us, Liu said. The old and new 36 articles were the most important documents in promoting private enterprise and ownership. The research group led by Li with Liu as the deputy team leader conducted research across the country for nearly a year, with footprint covering many provinces and cities, soliciting opinions from more than a hundred private entrepreneurs and relevant government and association organizations. They produced a 17-page research report entitled Suggestions for Promoting the Development of the Non-Public Economy, which was submitted to the State Council in February 2004. According to Liu, the report received immediate attention from the Chinese government when Jiabao, the premier at the time, remarked on the report and instructed the state council to conduct systemic research based on its findings. Moonlighting as a Poet In his personal life, Li was a kind of loving person toward his family, students, and colleagues. He was also ready to help and had a strong sense of loyalty and devotion. In his later years, he visited grassroots communities extensively and served as a leading expert on poverty alleviation. His writings and proposals showed his concern for grassroots social issues. He was passionate about classical poems and often expressed himself through poetry. His poetry lectures at Peking University were also very popular. In 2008, in celebration of his golden wedding anniversary, a collection of 666 of his poems were published. In 1955, when Lee graduated from university, he wrote a poem called The Day of the Partridge, which included the line, All Inclusive and Broad-Minded. This line was often quoted by his students in the memories of him, but Lee himself believed that the phrase, 
accumulating knowledge year by year, like sand building up into a continent. Reflected his understanding of academic research and life itself. You've been listening to the Weekend Long Read, what Li Yining taught China about economic reform, published in Caixing Global on March 11, 2023, written by Yu Hairong, read to you by Cliff Larson.